who've had, had young children die, who've had uh, 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 miscarriages. And, and so there's times when things don't work out like that. We, we believe God can do it every time. But even in those times, we're able to be f- strong for each other. We're able to lift each other up. We're able to pray for each other and say, you know what, I, we're with you. You're not alone. We've got people right now going through financial struggles or, or hospital things or, or things with their kids. And, and as a family, we can fight all that together. Amen. And that's, that's the power of fellowship. So I wanted to just kind of take advantage of that tonight and talk about this and just to remind us how important it is and how awesome it is that we have each other and that we're a family and that that's what God establishes, that the church would be this family. And so I started thinking of, of some stories in the Bible, and, and, and obviously that this is going to be um, out of order, Chris, to what I have. It's the second verse, if we'll put that up, Acts chapter 2, because I want to read this one first, because it's just exactly what happened uh, in, this, in this story um, of just helping each other. It's Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42 to 47. It says, they continued steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine, and there's the word, and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need." So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Those are some of the best verses in the New Testament about how fellowship works. When there was a need, they came together and they they met that need. And, and you know what, maybe it's not for us tonight, maybe it's not selling a house or, or land like they did in the Bible, but many times we've come together, and we even, even just this last week, even though it wasn't for our people, just last week, we, we all came together and brought all those canned goods and all those non-perishable items, and we went out and blessed 150 different families. That's, that's the church coming together. If there's ever a need in this place, we do that. We come together. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. We encourage each other. We help each other. And those, those, how many of those, a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't even see. Things that are done where, where the Bible says, let your right hand not know what your left hand does. There's blessings that come and things that are done that we don't even know that aren't even you know, made public. But that's the power of fellowship. Just working together as a team. And, you know, this was important to Jesus. I want to look at a story in John 21, because here we are just a few days after what we celebrated as the resurrection of Christ and Easter. And this was an interesting thing, because how many know that fellowship in the Bible always goes along with food? Has anybody noticed that? It said there, the breaking of bread. There's something about getting together and fellowshipping and I want you to see that even Jesus made that important thing. Jesus, Jesus liked to eat too. Amen? And, and so he's, he's coming to appear to his disciples in John 21. And I'm not going to read the whole story there. I'm going to read a few verses here in a minute. But in John 21, we know the story of where the, Peter has says, hey, and we know there's a little bit of doubt there. He says, I'm going to go fishing. He just kind of went back to what he, what he knew. 
And that's kind of what we, we were talking about tonight on Wednesday night when I said the hangover because how many know that some, I won't say a lot, some people showed up on Sunday out of duty or out of religion or out of, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to check that off the list and see you next year. And so they're, they went back to their normal lives today and they're not going to go to church on a Wednesday. We might not see them again. And so the, the disciples did that. They, they, they didn't truly believe that Jesus had risen from the dead or was going to rise from the dead. And so they went back to their, their old ways. They went back to fishing. They went back to doing what they knew. And there was some doubt there. And so as they did that, Jesus begins to appear to them. And in this story, in the first few verses of, first few verses of John 21, he shows up and they're out there fishing and they're not catching anything. And they're out there all night and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, a voice comes from the beach from the shore and says, throw that net on the other side. And, and they, they listen. They're desperate. And they throw it out there. And, and then we pick it up in 11 to 14, which I really want you to see. He says, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land. So they caught a whole bunch of fish. And 153, that's a lot of fish. It says there were so many that the net was broken. And then watch this. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. He had breakfast with his disciples. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. They had that revelation. And so it says, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So while the disciples are out fishing, he's making breakfast. Jesus is over there, he's caught fish, or maybe he made fish, I don't know if he caught it or he made it, amen, he could do either one, but he had fish, and he cooked it, and he had bread, now I'm not a big fan of fish for breakfast, not just me, but they must have liked it at that time, okay, and so they're having fish, they're having bread, they're having a good meal, but Jesus is showing us here that there's a powerful dynamic when we get together and we break bread, we fellowship with food, we eat, we, we, we hang out, we do stuff like that. And it kind of kind of reminded me of, as I was looking on Sunday, at something that always makes me happy. It always makes my, jo- my, my heart happy when I watch the pictures on Easter, not just Easter, but this past Easter is just recent. Or any time when I see our people getting together with each other. I see certain people at different people's houses and, and then other people going to parks together. And I see pictures of people at different people's houses. That's what makes a healthy church. A church that fellowships together. A church that gets together. So as you look at those pictures and you see those people fellowshipping together and you see those different things, you see what the word fellowship in the Bible means. Okay, for us, New Testament. It is a partnering together. This is what fellowship means. A partnering together with mutual benefits for both sides. Okay, so when we fellowship, this is why God establishes the fellowship of the church. This is, this is sometimes we wonder, why do we go? Obviously, to learn. Why do we go? Obviously, to praise and worship. Why do we go? We ask these questions. Why, why do we need to be in church on Wednesday night? Why do we go on Sunday? Why do we have services? Why do we have these things? Because we're partnering together with mutual benefits for everyone. Everybody gets something out of fellowship. The only people that don't get anything out of fellowship are the ones who don't fellowship. There was a, one of our pastors many years ago who preached a great message. I don't remember all the details, but he titled it, you got to out-fellowship the devil. 
Everybody remember that? You got to out-fellowship the devil, meaning you got to get together because how many know the world fellowships? The world fellowships. Matter of fact, there was a whole bunch of people that were fellowshipping on Easter just because it was Easter. Whatever holiday there is, they'll take advantage of it. They'll fellowship. They'll get together. But they're not fellowshipping with, about Jesus. They're not fellowshipping about, about God. They're not fellowshipping to encourage each other or to lift each other up. They're just fellowshipping. So the world fellowships, we as believers need to out-fellowship the world. We need to get together. We need to have fun together. We need to eat together. We need to pray together. We need to encourage each other. And that's what Jesus was showing here. Do you think it's an accident that they threw it in there that Jesus made food? He could have just showed up. Now, I'm not making this a food thing. I'm just showing that, that that was an important part. You just saw that next, the breaking of bread. Getting together and fellowshipping. Some people think that that's just something Christians do. The Christians just eat. Well, we're just following the example of the Bible. Jesus thought it was important to bring his disciples together and feed them. Now, obviously, a major part of that was that he was showing his humanity. He was eating to show that he was not a ghost, that he was not some some, uh, figure that they were just seeing with their eyes. So he physically had that fish. He physically ate. He physically uh, partook with them. There was a part there. But he was showing how important it was for these guys to get together, and that started a precedent that has lasted till today. One of the things that impressed me the most about the fellowship that we're a part of, Victory World Outreach, when we came into it, and many of you know that testimony from myself of how, how frustrated I was with the church when I got saved and how, how frustrated I was that the church seemed like didn't have a heart for the lost and it seemed like a social club and all that. So when I came into our fellowship, one of the things that impressed me, besides the fact that they had a heart for the lost, besides the fact that they preached the truth, was that I saw the fellowship of these people that were hundreds and thousands of people in a place and they all got together. They invited Carla and I over to their houses. They took us out to restaurants. They, it, it, almost, it almost seemed too good to be true. It's like, and, and all of you that have gone to conference have seen that for yourselves. When you meet these people, and, and, and there's, no, there's no motive other than the power of fellowship. Just getting together and encouraging each other and, and lifting each other up and sharing those testimonies with each other and, and saying, listen, we're in this together. And how many know all of us here are going to have times of struggle? We're going to be the one that, that, that's, that's in that video with some kind of struggle, physical, marital, financial, whatever it is, we're going to be there. We're going to be there at some point. You might be there right now. And you're going to need that prayer. And thank God you have a church family to be a part of. Because going back to that video, if that family did not have a church family, they said that we couldn't have made it. Without the prayers, we couldn't have made it without the support and people lifting them up and helping them financially and getting them through those things. And so you're going to be that person there, and then you're also at times going to be the person who's lending the hand. You're going to be the one that says, hey, I've been through what you've been through, and and God brought me through. So I'm going to encourage you that you can get through this. I'm going to help you get out of this, so I'm, I'm here for you. Sometimes you could be the person that says, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you. You don't always have, to, always have to know what they're going through to help them. I've said that many times over the years. Remember, I have never touched a drug in my life. I've never smoked a, a hit of weed. I've never touched drugs. But I have helped 
lots and lots of drug addicts get delivered from drug addiction because I care about them. I don't have to have been with, through what they went through. Amen. Jesse gave his testimony tonight. I was, by the grace of God, able to help Jesse to this day. I'm still helping disciple him, but I've never took drugs. But there's a power in fellowship. Jesse has made it tonight because he understands I got to get to church because there's power for my testimony when I get around other brothers and sisters who are going through the same struggles as I am and, I, and they can help me and I can help them. There's power in fellowship. Let me give you just a few verses tonight that I chose that will kind of confirm this besides the ones that I've already given you. A few really good ones. Acts chapter 14. This is a really neat story that probably many of you have not read. Acts chapter 14, 19 to 22. This is where we see real problems. Say real problems. How many know that that problem there was a real problem? We know the end result, and in this situation, church, the miracle happened. But let's be real. Sometimes the miracle doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. Really, the miracle does always happen, but sometimes it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. How many have experienced that? Doesn't, doesn't go the way you would have wrote the script. And, and, and you have to get to a place where you realize all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. All things. Amen. Sometimes it don't seem like it, but all things. Look at this story. Acts 14, verse 19. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. And having persuaded the multitudes, look at this. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. That doesn't sound like a very good story. They, so he, he they, it doesn't say there that they were going to stone him and somebody came and protected him. He got stoned. And, and so badly that they thought he was dead. And so that, that, if you just read that verse, man, where was God? Sometimes something happens and you go, where was God? Sometimes God shows up in a way that's not in the moment. It's after the moment. There's things we're never going to understand. We say this all the time. Don't go to hell over a mystery. There are things in our lives that we're not going to understand. It could have very well easily been that that couple did not get their miracle and they could have been burying that baby this week. But God still would have got the glory. Can you say amen? God still would have got the glory because God is sovereign. And there's things we don't understand. And he would use that horrible situation and, and, and thank God by his grace they're taking that baby home on Monday and they're not doing a funeral for that baby, praise God. Amen. And here's the thing. If, if, as believers, we, we hear testimonies, and I'm always telling you this, we hear testimonies and we should rejoice with them as if that was our own daughter, as if that was our own baby. Because that's the heart of a, of a believer, amen? We should rejoice with them. We shouldn't be jealous that that, that happened to them and not us or, or, or something like that because there's going to be times when things don't make sense. Don't you think Paul could have said, man, I'm preaching your gospel, Lord. Why am I being stoned? Couldn't you have stopped the stones? That'd be a real legitimate question, but watch what happens. Watch, watch how the power of fellowship comes in. So it says, this, read that into that verse again, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. 
There was something in, in, in that power of fellowship that even though he was probably felt like dying, when those brothers and sisters came around him, something changed. Something gave him life. Something gave him a, an opportunity to stand up, and he felt like he could make it. Amen? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I hope and would believe that probably all of us in here have been at that moment in our lives when we have felt like we were dead, we have felt like the situation was over, felt like there was no hope, and somebody came along and encouraged us. Somebody came along and said, you can make it. Somebody came along and said, don't give up. And sometimes, I would actually say a lot of times, the best thing you can do for somebody is just be there. Can I say that again? I'm telling you from experience. When you go to, when you go to bury somebody you don't know, when you go to, to do a funeral for a kid, when you go to, 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 to console somebody that, that has lost a loved one, sometimes the words are not what matters. It's not about saying the right thing. It's about just being there. It's just about being there and showing yourself present. How many see the difference there? A lot of times we, you know, the Lord can give us a word. He can put a, a word in our heart that could encourage somebody. But sometimes you just need to be quiet and just be there. Just say, listen, I don't know what you're going through. I, I, I have no idea. I can't, I, I'm so sorry. I just, I just want you to know I'm here. Sometimes that's better than a thousand words. And so they, got, they gathered around him and he rose up and went into the city. And it says, now, now there's a miracle here. We don't, we don't look at this sometimes. It says, in the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derby. You don't, you, you don't get stoned almost to death and then go out and preach the next day without being healed. So there was a healing power in the fellowship of those disciples. And then it says in 21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them, look at this, to continue in the faith. Amen. We need to lift each other up and say, come on, let's keep doing this. It doesn't matter how long we've been doing it, let's keep doing this. Just like Jesse said at prayer, don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep doing it. Keep doing what's right. Follow up. Whenever you, whenever you do something right, follow it up with another right decision. And when you make a mistake and fall, get up and follow that mistake up with a right decision. And start putting one, two, three, four good decisions together at a time. And you're going to see God begin to start doing something in your life. Because it says we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. I like that the, that the Bible's real. It doesn't say that we live in fantasy land doesn't say that everything's going to be perfect all the time, does it? It says we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So we, God never said we wouldn't have afflictions, but he did say he would deliver us from them all. So he says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. Amen. How many are getting something tonight? 1 Peter chapter 4, let me give you two more verses. 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 to 11. This is just a few verses that I chose to talk about the power of fellowship. Look at this. It says, above all things, say above all things. That means that's really important. Have fervent love 
for one another. Okay? Just stop right there for a second. Ask yourself, don't nod your head, don't shout it out, but ask yourself, I'm asking myself, do I have a fervent love for people? Do I love people? Got to ask yourself that. Do I love people? Do I, do I care? And if you don't, have, let God help you. Ask God to help you. Ezekiel talks about getting a, get, letting him come in and take our heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. I, I don't ever want to lose compassion for people. Amen. Don't ever get so hard in life. Don't ever get so hurt. Don't ever go through so many things that you allow yourself to be calloused. And don't ever say the prayer that I've almost said a lot of times. God, I don't want to feel this pain anymore. I don't want to feel empathy anymore. Don't ever pray that prayer. That's not a godly prayer. Because we need a heart that hurts for people. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to help people. And when you have empathy for them and you realize that they're going through something and they need something. So look at this again. Above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. How many know we all have gifts? Some of you think, I don't have a gift. You, you have a gift. We all have gifts. Some people are good at hosting. Some people are good at giving. Some people are good at cooking. Some people are good at praying. Some people are good at encouraging. Everybody has a gift. Sometimes you've got to figure out what that gift is. And you got to, once you figure it out, you need to run with it. But we all have gifts. And, and, and some people are better at some things than other people are, are at things. Find what your gift is. Find what, what you are good at ministering to other people. Find how you can lift people up. Here's what I always say we need as people. We need to, to be a people that when we get around somebody, our prayer and hope should be that when we walk away from somebody, they feel changed by being around us. That, that they love God more by being around us. That they, they, they uh, want to be, be a better person by being around us. What, what, what would happen in our lives if we would have that mentality? And, and Lord, don't let me have a, a day where I'm, where I'm taking it off, take a day off. Lord, help me have your heart every day. Let me get around these people, people and care. And be real. How I many know being real is really important? Be real. So he says, minister to, it, to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with, as, with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom the, belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, one last verse. This is a great one. This is many times used for marriage, but this is a great one for the power of fellowship. If you've got your notes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Many of you have heard this verse, okay? This is, this is a great uh, verse for the power of fellowship. Two are better than one. Amen? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. 
But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now that threefold cord is you and somebody else and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you that's why the Bible talks about agreeing together, touching and agreeing. If if anybody agrees on anything that that, that that they can touch anything in heaven, they can ask for it and it'll happen. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. There's power in fellowship. There's power in agreement. Now this is a, this is a, a, a verse here that's important because how many know there's a lot of people today, maybe you were one of them. There's a lot of people today who who don't think they need church. Don't think they need fellowship. Don't think they need to be around other people. They, I, hear, I hear it all the time. I can have church by myself. I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody else. That is a lone ranger mentality, and you will find it no place in the Bible. Nowhere. And my question is this. It's always to those people. Who is going to come visit you when you're in the hospital? Who's going to bring you food when your baby's born? I, I brag on our church and those who, who, who facilitate all these things that when a baby's born, we, we, we take food to that, family, to that family for several days. When someone's in the hospital, we take food to that family for several days. We come together as a church and we help meet that need. That's the power of fellowship. That's the power of, of, of being more concerned about somebody else's problem than my own. How many know tonight that the best thing we can do for somebody else, or sorry, for ourselves, is to think about somebody else? It's a fact. Whenever you begin to start looking inward, and I don't mean looking inward in, in a good way of, of, Lord, how do, how do I need to change? But I mean, when you start being selfish and you start focusing on your problems, that's right where the devil wants you. But if you'll begin to say, Lord, I've got this bill over here, and it's an it's a ugly bill. It's, a, it's an expensive bill. It seems like an insurmountable bill, and I don't know how I'm going to handle this, but I'm going to get my mind off this bill, and I'm going to pray for somebody else who's got a bigger problem than I do. And while I get, when I come over here and work on this person's problem and pray for this person's problem and be concerned about this person's problem, guess what happens? Somebody's going to come around and take care of mine. It's teamwork. It's fellowship. It's power. What happened with those disciples? They, he says, put, put, the, put the net on the other side. They just obeyed. They easily could have said, Jesus, what are you talking about? You're a carpenter. Of course, they didn't even know at that moment he was Jesus. What are you talking about? We've been out here all night. But they were desperate. And they said, okay, we'll do it. And they put it on the other side. And as he began to, to focus on this side, fish started coming up on the other side and then all of a sudden people started coming over and grabbing fish from all the place and there was 150 something fish all of a sudden because that person began to focus on somebody else amen so this is this is a pat you on your back tonight for one for being here on a Wednesday night 
for two, for, for understanding how powerful it is when you get together. Don't stop getting together like you are. That's exciting when, I, when we see you getting together as, as believers and fellowshipping together. And here's another thing we should do. We should get together with people we don't know. We should make an effort to invite someone that we've never had over before. Or go out to eat with someone we've never had out to eat before. Or, or do something with someone. Find somebody. Don't, don't, we don't want to be a church of cliques. And we're not. But we don't want to become that. We want to try to get out of our comfort zone and say, hey, I don't know that person. I've never, I've never fellowship with that person. I'm going to at least go down and sit at the table with them at church. At, at, at the fellowship time or at a meal or whatever. I'm going to get to know that person. Amen? There's power in fellowship. And that was a great example tonight of that. As we saw how they clearly said, we could not have done this without you. Amen? Father, thank you for the, for the word that you give us that encourages us to come together like this on a Wednesday night and to fellowship together and to help each other and to encourage each other, to lift each other up. Father, I'm always encouraged when I come and I see the faith of your people. Lord, when I hear stories of people getting food or I hear stories of, of people taking food to houses or I hear stories of people getting together and fellowshipping in their homes, it blesses me, Lord, to see that the hands and the feet of Jesus are moving. Father, help us to continue to understand the power of unity and the power of partnering together with mutual benefit for both sides. That's what fellowship is in the New Testament, partnering together with a mutual benefit for both sides. Sometimes I'm going to be the giver. Sometimes I'm going to be the receiver. If your heads are bowed this, tonight and closed and in reverence to the Lord, listen, you, some of you need to learn how to be takers too. You need to receive. Someone tries to bless you, you need to allow that blessing to come. Don't rob that other person of their blessing. You need to be able to be not only be the giver, but you need to be the recipient. Because that's how the kingdom of God works. You need to understand that when you go and sow, you'll reap. You'll reap what you sow. Allow God to, to, to flow things through your life. Allow God to show you his heart. Allow God to, to put compassion in your heart for other people. There's power in fellowship tonight. Maybe, you're, maybe you'll be the one who has that next need. And you can say, hey, I've got a church family that loves me. I've got a church family I can cry out to. Church, we can't help if, if we don't know. No one can help you. No one can pray for your depression if no one knows you're depressed. No one can pray for your physical body if we don't know you're sick. No one can pray for your loved one that's, that needs prayer if you don't talk. So we need to be able to be able to open and fellowship and be real with each other and say, listen, I'm, I'm going to get through this, but I'm struggling a little bit. Can, can you just pray with me? And sometimes it's just that simple little prayer, just that hand on the shoulder, just that hand uh, agreeing together in prayer and saying, listen, we're going to get through this together. You're not alone. You're not alone. When, you, when you're alone, that problem always seems bigger than it is. Father, I pray for that spirit of encouragement tonight. As I'm encouraging tonight, Lord, I know there'll be times I need the encouragement. There's been many times in the past, Lord, I, as the pastor, have needed that encouragement. And you have sent me a text from somebody. You have, you've had somebody pray for me. You've had somebody just give me a word of encouragement that's helped me keep going. Father, thank you for how your kingdom works. Thank you for the power of fellowship tonight, Jesus. All over this place, how many in this place might be here and and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
You, you don't know where you'd go eternally if you passed into it to tonight. If, you, if today was the last day that you have on this earth, you don't know where you'd spend it. If you don't know Jesus tonight, the Bible says that today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know him tonight, just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him as my Savior and my Lord. I want to be born again. I want to have my name written in the Lamb's book of life. Just say, that's me. Pray for me quickly. Just lift that hand and put it back down. Amen. Amen. Nobody's looking around tonight. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're going through a trial tonight. Maybe you're saying, man, I'm I'm sure glad I came tonight because I needed this encouragement. I, the devil's been lying to me. The devil's been fighting me. Listen, that, go back to that verse. It says, many tribulations, many trials. We're going to get into the kingdom of God through that tribulation, through that trial. And that's not talking about the tribulation that's coming upon this earth. It's talking about tribulation of life. Talking about real struggles. And real problems and real pains. But when you have somebody standing with you, it helps that pain go away. Let's stand tonight. Let's take a few minutes to just pray at the altar. Let's take a few minutes to just encourage one another. Amen. There, this is a very powerful, very important message that we must remember. Okay? Because there's always somebody who's got it worse than you do. Always. Always somebody who's struggling with something that's greater than your struggle, worse than your struggle, worse than your trial. Lay that at the Lord's feet tonight. Come and say, God, I'm giving this to you tonight. I'm, I'm going to lift up somebody else tonight. I'm going to pray for somebody else. And you're going to do a work in their lives. Amen. Power in fellowship. Strengthen that commitment tonight that you're going to live for the Lord. Strengthen that commitment that you're going to come to church every time the doors are open because God's got a word for you. Amen. As we just sing and worship a little bit, let's just talk to the Lord and let's just strengthen our commitment to God as we have fellowship with Him.